Listen, there's something powerful about knowing that when you can just get into an atmosphere like this, that God can do something. He can sometimes do far more in just a moment where, where you encounter the presence of God than, than years of striving can do. God can break addictions in just a moment. God can bring faith in just a moment. God can turn doubt into faith in just a moment. And, and listen, I don't know if you came here or Lancaster, you came to church today, maybe you're so uncertain about life, you're uncertain about God. You came here today feeling the weight of life, feeling broken. I, I just want the words of that song to resonate maybe with you, that not for a moment has God forsaken you. That God is here right now, and God is with you no matter where you go. There's no place that we can run from His presence. His Spirit is with us. When we're on the top of the mountain, He's with us. When we make our bed in the depths, He's with us. We cannot outrun the presence of God. And so if you've been trying, I just want you to know you might as well stop running away from it. Just begin to receive it. Let God do something in you. Because God wants to do something in your life today. Come on. He wants to do something in us today. I'm so excited to be back preaching. We've had some great preachers the last few weeks. Can we give it up? God's blessed us with some great communicators. But man, I have got a word on my heart that God has given me. I am more ready for this series than I have been in a long time. I've got a good message in me that's probably going to take about three or four hours. <laughs> oh, some of you got real nervous right there. They're like, is this the last one or is there another experience after this where he's got to shut up at some point? Hey, here, let me just tell you, I, I've got a message in me, but one of the reasons why we'll do it over multiple weeks called a series is so you don't have to sit here and listen to me preach for three or four hours, okay? So that's the good news. The bad news is you're going to have to come back every single week of this series to get the full message that God wants to deliver into your heart, the change that God wants to do in your faith. This is going to be an exciting season if you're part of this church. And if you're new, it, it's, it's going to be an exciting season for you as well. Because what I have is, I believe, a message that really is going to speak to the heart of this house. The vision that God has given me to lead this church with. And, and so here's the thing. I'm going to be having a little bit of family time today. A portion of this message is going to be a family talk. You ever, you ever been called to a family talk? You know, your parents called you in. It's like, we got some important things to talk about. Nothing bad. Don't give me, don't freak out. But, but we're going to have a little bit of family talk, okay? Our Lancaster family is joining with us. Can we give it up for our Lancaster family joining with us live right now? Those watching online. Listen, we're, we're going to have a little bit of family time. I've got some things to share with you if you're part of this family, this church. Um, but here's what I know. If... If you're just listening in, if you're new, I think if you would stick around for the next few weeks, that what you would capture is the heart of this house. And what you would see is what it looks like when a group of people don't just play religion, don't just talk about church like it's something that you do on Sunday, but what it looks like to see people who genuinely have faith in Christ, who will give, who will love, who will serve, who will go beyond themselves, who want to be a part of a bigger mission and a bigger purpose. That's what you're going to find. And so today, I, I want to kick off a brand new series of talks. And the series is called Exceed. Everybody say Exceed. 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 You, by the way, I don't know if you happen to notice my new hoodie. This says exceed. You want you want to take a look at the back of it. It's really hot. Isn't that hot? I'm talking about the sweatshirt. Don't, talk, don't be looking at my butt. That's not what I was talking about. I was trying to show you the back of my sweatshirt. I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. But 
I think these drop next weekend in our church. Make a great Christmas gift. You ought to wear it. You look so much cooler when you wear this, by the way, and uh, along with other things. But, but really, this series and this word exceed is based out of a promise and a prayer. The Apostle Paul, when he was uh, writing to one of his churches in Ephesus, he, he was praying for them. He was praying that they would experience the fullness that God has for them. That's my prayer for you, by the way. I don't want you just to make it through this life. I want you to experience the fullness of everything that God has for you in your life. I want that for you. I want it for me. And he wrapped up that prayer by declaring this promise of who's going to fulfill it. And I want us to look at this together. It's found in Ephesians 3, verse 20. And I want to share it from the New King James Version. It was actually the first version of Bible that I was given when I was a kid. And you'll see why, because it's based on the, the translation of the word in there. But Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power at work in us. Isn't that a great verse? Come on, isn't that a great promise? Now here's what you got to do. Both our locations, we're going to say it out loud together. Go ahead and put it back up, would you? Ephesians 3.20, I want us to say this out loud together. Okay, so is it up yet? Can you guys put the verse back up? Ephesians 3.20 in the back room if you can hear me. Thank you. Okay, I want us all, because I knew you didn't have it memorized yet, but you're going to memorize this. Everybody say, I'm going to memorize it by the time we're done. Okay, Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power at work in us come on this is what we're going to be preaching this is what we're going to believe as a community and so would you let me pray for you today bow your heads god we thank you for the promise that you are able that god even in situations that are represented right now in our church god where we feel like we don't have all that we need lord we declare that you are able to exceed our wildest expectations you can do immeasurably more than what we could ask think or imagine and so today i pray that by your spirit god i could declare what you have put in my heart i pray god i could speak it with boldness i pray god that the church lord would receive the message that you have for us and god we believe in what you are doing in us and through us in this next year is going to be a life-altering year in this house. And we declare all these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, give them praise, and then you can go ahead and grab a seat. I want to welcome you. And, uh, man, I'm excited. The reason, One of the reasons why I'm excited is because of what God is building in our church. I'm excited about what God is building on Gender Road. I'm excited about the new location. Have any of you been by to see the new uh, building going up on Gender Road? Are you excited when you see it or not? Dude, I'm telling you, it gets me fired up. I get really excited about it. And um, listen, I, I want to share some things about this next year, especially in relationship with the new location, with Lithopolis campus moving um, to it. I want to share just some family talk, if I could do for a little bit, and then I've got a message for us uh, that I'm going to share a brief one after that. And uh, before we jump into that, I just was wondering, because I know you drive by maybe and you see it and you're kind of, this is exciting, and, and yet you probably wonder what it looks like on the inside. And so I'm wondering, does anybody here want to go on a virtual tour with me through the new building right in your seat? Do you have your Oculus with you? Do you know what an Oculus? How many of you know what an Oculus is? 
Okay, we don't have virtual, so I'm sorry. You leave it at home, but we did record it. We have it on video, and I hope you enjoy it. Take a look at this. Hey, I'm standing here on top of the bridge, the infamous bridge that you've probably heard about for years. Can you believe this? It's finally done. The road behind me, Biggerton Bend, is completed. In fact, we're hopeful that the city is going to want to open it up within a matter of weeks, maybe a month or so to the public. But I, I'm just amazed that we could finally get to the other side of that bridge that we've been talking about. And it is the start of something incredible as we consider that hundreds and hundreds of cars are about to drive by this location every single day. And what are they going to see? They're going to see that X Church is here to stay. In fact, would you like a sneak peek of our facility? I thought so. Come on, let's go look at it. I'm standing here right in front of one of our primary entrances to the new facility. We've got primary entrances on the east and the west side of the building. You can see, I'm so excited thinking about the hundreds of families that are gonna drive onto this property and they're gonna walk up to this building not even realizing that they're about to encounter the presence of God. And I just believe that hundreds and hundreds of families are gonna find hope inside the walls of this building and they're gonna be greeted with some of the most loving faces you could ever imagine. It's gonna be incredible. In fact, would you like to take a look inside? Come on, let's go take a look. I'm standing inside of an incredibly spacious new foyer. Man, it is amazing to have space. We haven't had that in Lithopolis. Have you ever been there? There's no room for community. I'm more than excited about having the opportunity for people to come and hang out before and after each experience and connect with each other. Let me just describe some of the things. We've got huge open ceilings. We've got seating areas on the sides around the auditorium. We're gonna have a big video wall. We've got a VIP room with glass entrance. It's gonna be amazing first time guests to stop in. We've got servant leader headquarters off of the foyer. Amazing restrooms. I know you get excited about men's and women's restrooms, family restroom. I'm telling you, the foyer is the hub of community in our new facility, and I can't wait for you guys to experience it. Now let's take a look over our ex-kids facility. Let's do a little walkthrough, how about it? This is our ex-kids entrance off the foyer. This is where families are gonna come to check in their kids. It's gonna be safe and secure. We're gonna have a glass wall here with doors that are gonna lock during the experience so that no one can come back there except if you've got one of your tags. And as we walk into this, I wanna show you some of the incredible spaces that we have for kids. Come on, take a look. As you can see right here on your right, when you first come in, we've got a little hallway that goes, actually it's not that little, it's pretty big, that has four nurseries. That's right, we've got them broken down by different levels of development. We've got infants, we've got crawlers, walkers, and toddlers. We've got, not only do we have that, but we have restrooms inside of the nurseries. We've got a nursing mother's room. I mean, we've got incredible space right here for our real little ones. 
as we're going to take incredible care of them so we can eventually begin to teach them who Jesus is. Let's keep going. As you take a look, big spacious hallways for parents bringing their kids to check them in. As you come down this hallway, you've got individual classrooms for two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and pre-K. We've got amazing spaces. All of them have restrooms inside of them for the kids. I mean, th this is gonna be an amazing space for the next generation. Why? Because we believe in the next generation, and we wanna invest in them to have fun at church and learn about Jesus on their level. It's gonna be amazing. get to these legends rooms, we have two rooms for our legends age. What is that? First through third and fourth and fifth grade. We're actually going to be able to split them up. We've got big rooms that can hold 60 and some up to 80 kids at a time. It's a lot of room for the kids to be able to have fun, play games, learn about Jesus. We're going to have technology in there with screens and just lights and some fun stuff for the kids. And so we're going to have an amazing space as kids are beginning to learn in life, we also think it's important for them to learn about faith at this age. And so we're going to invest in them. It's going to be incredible space for our Legends classrooms. So we keep going down around this hallway. We run into middle school room. It's actually going to double as a multi-purpose auditorium. It's going to be incredibly open. Uh, we should be able to fit somewhere up to about 100, 120 middle school students in one experience. As we keep going and as you make your way out of the secured exit of the kids' side, we've got this classroom that we are putting together that is gonna be amazing for adults, for students. Um, it's gonna enable us to have Growth Track X University in it. So we're really excited about what's gonna happen here to help people grow in their faith in Christ. I'm standing here in the middle of our auditorium. It's going to be a brand new state-of-the-art room for us to broadcast the message of the gospel to our other location, Lancaster, to future locations online around the world. In this auditorium, it's going to seat more than a thousand people. I just think about that. More than a thousand people will be able to be in this room to hear the truth presented to them on a weekly basis. We've got room to grow, to expand God's kingdom right here in central Ohio. And I want you to consider this. When you see this facility and you drive by it, don't just think of a building. Think about what's going to happen inside of the building. Think about the hundreds and hundreds of lives that are going to be impacted, I believe, in this coming year inside this facility. Think about the generations that are going to be altered forever because someone meets Jesus in this location. Think about marriages that are going to be restored and addicts that are going to find freedom through hope in Christ. It's going to happen right here in Canal Winchester. And I just want to say thank you to every single one of you who are on this journey with me. It is taking a church, an entire church, to do this. And I want to say thank you for investing, for giving your time, giving of your money to be a part of something bigger than just ourselves because what God is doing right here in Canal Winchester and to Central Ohio is way bigger than any one of us. What God is about to unleash in Canal Winchester is such a movement that is going to change lives and generations for years and years to come. And so I want to say thank you for being on this journey with me. And we truly believe the best is yet to come.
Come on, is there anybody who's a little bit excited about seeing the vision move forward of reaching thousands, giving away millions? Come on, we are stepping into it, amen? Come on. Woo, we are excited about it. Amen. Go ahead and be seated, man. I just, I'm excited about this next step. I'm excited about where we're headed. Now, let me just say a few things. First, let me just tell you that our Lithopolis location is going to be moving to this new one, Canal Winchester, which will help us broadcast that message to Lancaster, to around the world online, and future things that God leads us to do. And, and so I just want to say this for everybody in Lancaster. Listen, your location's not going away. Everybody kind of freaks out. Like, are we losing our... No, we're still having... Lan we believe that God is going to use Lancaster to reach thousands of people in the city of Lancaster. I really believe that. Come on, you ought to believe that too. Well, I believe that, I believe we're just getting started, okay? And, and what I want to say is it's exciting to build, and I'm believing the lives that are going to be impacted. I want to take a few minutes, if I can, and just talk about really what this looks like for us practically as a church. So this is the family conversation portion, okay? If you're part of this church, you've been a part of it and giving and serving and being a part of it, and we need you to lean in a little bit. If you're new, I want you just to listen in. Okay, this might be something you want to be a part of, uh, but I, I want to talk about when we're expecting it to be open. Um, we now I, before I give the actual time frame, I, I at least need to preface this and say that every time we think it's going to happen at a certain time, the weather in Ohio decides otherwise, and so we're getting a little bit closer because we're now under roof and we're dried in mostly, other than the windows. So. We're able to control it a little bit more, but what I've been told lately is that we are expected to be finished with this building and hopefully in it by this coming summer, hopefully by around August of this coming summer. Do you realize how fast that's coming? I mean, that's coming real soon. You're going to blink, Christmas will be over, and all of a sudden we're going to be getting ready for it, okay? And now, okay, don't hold me to that because that's what I'm being told. And then every time I turn around, they tell me about how much rain that we have in Ohio and how it's delayed things. But I'm hopeful that we'll be in there around summer, beginning of fall. That's kind of what I'm hoping. And uh, we're excited about it. It's going to take everybody. Can I just tell you about the effort it's going to take? Um, have you ever tried to move your house and realized you needed help to do it? Can I tell you it's a lot harder to move the house of God? To an like, like, we're going to need some help, okay? It's going to take all hands on deck leading into this, opening up. I'm just letting you know. As well, I want you to understand and hear this. This coming year is going to be the most challenging year for us financially as a church. This year, coming up in 2020, is going to stretch us unlike any other year we've ever had in ministry. And I want to explain why. Okay, yes, we've been preparing. Yes, we've been saving money. Yes, people have been giving and we've been saving it and, and we've been using that. But I want you to understand something about how construction works, especially in a commercial environment. Because some of you maybe come from, uh, you know, your mindset's residential. Maybe you went to a new home builder and you picked out a lot and you put a little bit of money down and you said, build me a house here. And they built your house. And then you moved in and then you started paying for it. Let me just help you understand something. That's not how it works in the commercial world. That's not how it works when you build your own house, by the way, because I've done it, I know how it works. The way it works is that whenever you have people on the job site who do work, they wanna get paid for it. Is there anybody that works in construction industry? Raise your hand. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those of you that do work, you want to get paid, right? And so I want you to understand this, that every month when, when we take draws, that's what you do on a loan when you're borrowing part of it, you take a draw and you use that to pay your contractors, which is they want to get paid, okay? Every time you do that, guess what the bank wants? They want to get paid, okay? So here's what that means. Right now, we aren't even in the building. It's not even open. We don't have the potential of hundreds of families, which I believe will come when we open. But can I tell you this? We do have a mortgage now. We don't have a completed building, but we do have a mortgage. And it's growing every single month. And here's what's funny to me. This is, I got to give you my perspective. I'm just trying to let you sit in my seat for just a minute, okay? I love when people are so excited and they come up to me like, have you seen the building? Did you see the bridge? The bridge, it looks like it's done. I'm like, yeah, it's done. It's done. It looks great, doesn't it? Oh, yes, nicest bridge in Canal Winchester, by the way. When they say, have you seen the road? Oh, my gosh, have you seen the, the, the new light poles just went up? Do you see the brick that's going up on the back? I'm like, yes, it is exciting to see the progress. Can I tell you something, though? Every time you see something new go up on the building, our mortgage goes up. I know, it's not as funny, is it? It's like, it's like oh, yeah, we feel that. And we've been paying for it. And we, by the way, not only that, but they have electric at the site. So the workers can work. Guess who pays the electric bill? We do. And they're turning on the gas so they can heat it. Guess who's going to pay that? We're going to pay that. Oh, by the way, we pay for ministry here in Lithopolis and in Lancaster too right now. And we pay rent right here right now. That's the way it works. It's real life, guys. That's the way it works when you want to take a step and you want to build something. We knew that going in. I don't want you to think we're surprised because we're not surprised. We have been saving money. We've been reducing costs, ministry costs, as much as we can over this past year. I just want you to know that. We're, we're doing everything that we can, but I was, I, I was feeling the weight of this a couple months ago as this project ramps up and as we have a growing mortgage and all this. And here's the thing. We have so much potential in this new building. See, I've been here before, okay? Some of you haven't. But, but when we bought this facility in Lithopolis, can I tell you that it was bigger than we were as a small church? Can I tell you that it was scary, that we didn't know how it was all going to work out and how all the details and how we're going to pay for everything, but we felt like God called us to do it, so we stepped out in faith and we did it. And oh, by the way, since then, we've seen almost 5,000 people place their faith in Jesus Christ. We've seen almost 1,700 people get baptized with water. I'm just telling you, like, this is kind of, the, this is kind of what it means to be a part of God's church. When Jesus said, go build my church, he said, I'll build it, but you go. And, and so I was feeling the weight of this. I'm the leader, and I, I was feeling the weight of it. And I, I wanted to share it with you because I felt like God prompted me to say, don't feel that weight by yourself. This is for the church. We feel the weight of it. And the truth is this, that we have to carry the torch as a church right now. We have to, can I say, build a bridge, for lack of better term. I know it's not a pun, but we have to build a bridge for all of those families, hundreds and hundreds of families, thousands who are going to come, who are going to meet Christ, and it's going to change their life. And it's going to change their kids' lives. And it's going to change generations after that. But here's the thing. we got to be the bridge. Somebody's got to be the bridge. Somebody has to take the message forward. Somebody's got to carry the weight on their shoulders. I want you to feel it with me because it's heavy. There's a weight. It's on us. And I know. And it doesn't seem fair. Because it's on us. But we're the bridge for all those who are addicted right now who are going to find hope and find freedom in Christ. 
We're the bridge for all the teenagers that are going down the wrong road right now, Canal Winchester and beyond, that they're going to meet Jesus and it's going to give them a new way to live their life that's going to change their destiny. We have to be the bridge. And I know it feels like it's all on our shoulders, but can I tell you something? It's been like that since the beginning of time, in the beginning of the church. If, if I could just help us understand this, can you imagine the weight that Jesus' disciples felt when after he was risen from the dead and he looked at them in Matthew 28 and he looked and he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. Some of you know what that is. It's a great commission. We say that's the mission of the church today, to go and make disciples of Jesus, to go and point them to him, to go and do that. Can you just consider the weight that was on those 11 guys? We want, I want you, Jesus said, to go and take everything I have lived for and died for. And I want you to take that message and I want you to reach people on all nations. It's just, there's just 11 of us. Like, what do you mean? Like, we don't, that, that, there was a weight that went with that. Now he says, listen, you're not going by yourself. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to, I'm going to build the church. I need you to understand how this works. Because some of you won't have the mindset that I have to have as a leader, understanding what Jesus called us to do. He said, you go, I'll build it. You go, I'll provide for it. You go and make disciples and teach them all, and I will do what you can't do. And oh, by the way, the gates of hell won't even be able to stop what I'm going to build in this earth. And can I just say 2,000 years later, we are still a part of that same church that started with 11 guys who carried the weight forward. And so let me just say this, that we, that we're called to carry that weight. That, that if Jesus were to show up today, he would look at us and he would say, X church, go and make disciples in Canal Winchester central ohio and beyond that's what he would say and so i, I want to share with you just practically speaking financially one of the ways that we're going to address this and i felt like god was leading me to take our church on this journey and so i want to share it with you today and again if you're new you, you know I, I want to kind of release you and just say you're just i know you're just finding out like what we're about but i think when you hear what the heart of the house is here i think you're going to go i would like to be part of something like this something that's bigger than myself. I'm gonna call you to be a part of something bigger than just yourself. Something that's gonna leave a lasting legacy long after I'm gone. And so here's what we're gonna do. Um, at the end of this series, and we do this, this is a tradition we have here at X Church, so this is not new, this part isn't. At the end of this series, on December 12th and 15th, we're gonna take up an end of the year offering. If you've been around, we've done this every year. And here's why we do it, I say this all the time, this is the season of giving, and I know you got a lot of people that you got to buy for. So do we. We are already talking about it. We're already going, oh, my gosh, shopping. I hope you prepared for it. It's funny to me how many people are surprised by Christmas every year. Like, oh, my gosh, we got to buy so much stuff. We're not ready for it. We've been saving for it, just so you know. My family has been. But this is not a surprise. And here's what I found. we got to buy gifts for all kinds of people. You're going to buy it for your, you know, your family, your loved ones. You're going to buy it for friends. You're going to buy stuff for coworkers. You're going to buy it for some of your family that you don't like, but you still feel obligated because you know the uncle and their cousins that you never see but once a year. You know what I say? I say, what does it look like for us to be generous toward God, toward Jesus, the one who came, the reason why we have this season? And so I just invite our church. This is one of those free will offerings. This is not, this is like, hey, if you want to be part of it, we take this offering and we use it to jump forward the mission the following year. 
Now, here's what I want to extend this. This is what we're going to do because this is a very challenging season that we're about to walk into. And that is this. I'm going to invite with our exceed offering, our end of the year offering, I'm going to say, can we use that to kickstart something beyond? And I'm going to invite our church. This is an opportunity. This is not an obligation. But I'm going to invite you to say, if you want to be a part of helping us make this happen, to give above and beyond for one year, to make a commitment for 2020, saying, I want to be a part of the bridge that is going to help usher in hundreds of people yet to find Christ. And so I'm going to be, and we're going to talk about it, and I've got a book that you're going to be able to get on your way out of the experience today. It's going to talk a little bit more about it. But this is going to be a challenging year, and guess what? All these new families come, and they're going to come, and I believe that. Many of them don't know Christ, and they don't have the faith when it comes to give, so it's going to take months before they'll join us in this journey. So guess what? We're the bridge. Guess what? I've got the weight on my shoulders, and so do you for what Jesus has called us as his followers to build. And you know what I've found? A lot of times, even as Christians today, we don't want to be kind of bothered or we don't want to be, you know, we don't, we want comfortable. I want to show up and I don't want to have to give too much or serve too much or do a lot. Can I remind you what Jesus said if you're going to follow him? He said, if you want to follow yourself, deny yourself, take up your cross and daily and follow after me. There's a calling, there's a mission to it. Now let me tell you what I'm praying and believing God for in our church. Starting with this offering and through next year, I'm praying and believing that we could raise over $750,000. In addition, because we started doing ministry. This is to help us bridge this one year, $750,000. And if you take a look at that graphic, it, it happens when we all come together. There are some that God has really blessed that have the means to maybe give hundreds of thousands. There are some that maybe it would be a stretch to give a single penny more. And I get that. There might be a single mom that for her to say, for us to give $1,200 more in a year, I don't even know how we would make it. This is where, as God speaks to you, and that's all I'm asking, if you would let God speak to you, where God's going to call us collectively to step out in faith. Do you understand what it means to step out in faith? Because I think a lot of times we like the rhetoric. It's like, oh, preachers talking about faith, and I love what faith, faith can heal. I love what faith can do. But what we sometimes don't like is that faith calls us to step into action when we aren't sure, when we don't know how it's going to work out. That's how faith works. Can I tell you what my prayer is? I've been praying this. I'm praying that God, through us, that we would see him exceed that $750,000. That it's going to help us Continue to do ministry strong as we move into this next chapter as a church. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, but I don't have that much to offer. I really, I wish I had more, but I don't have. Sometimes we feel like all I have is very little to give. Can I tell you something about Jesus? And this is what I wanted to share with you today. Is that when you take what little bit you have and you surrender it to him, guess what he can do? He can multiply it. He can multiply it. Can I share a passage with you out of Mark 6? It's just a short little Bible study that we'll finish this message off with. Mark chapter 6, verse 32 is a story that is so well known. I, I almost imagine everybody's heard it before. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus and his disciples were tired of ministry. They had been working super hard. And Jesus said, let's get away for a little bit from people. You ever felt like you need to get away from people just a little bit? You know, it's like, I just need a little reprieve. That's what they, that's what they felt like. And so here's what happens, it says in verse 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Let's kind of just, you know, back away. It says, but many who saw them leaving 
recognized them. There's Jesus. And they ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them, the welcoming committee. It says that, verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had what on them? Everybody say that word. He had, he's moved. That's what that word means. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them many things. I love how Jesus shows up at a new location. And the moment he showed up there, thousands of people were there. Can I say it again? When he showed up at a new location, thousands of people were there. Can I tell you what I'm really believing that God's about to do in our church when we show up at a new location and we take the presence of Jesus to a new location? I believe right now God is preparing thousands of people who are going to encounter the presence of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the grace of Jesus. That I'm telling you, as we move to why, why do we do this? We don't do it for ourselves. We do it because there are people who are hurting and they're broken and they have no hope. Jesus, and they're trying to get away. But the moment he saw hurting people, hungry people, broken people, sick people, the moment he saw it, here's what it said. It said that Jesus had compassion on them. He was so tired Let's get away. Oh, but they're, they're in front of us and they're hurting. Can I tell you if there's anything that should reflect the, the church, that should really reflect the heart of Jesus in the church, it's that when we see need in front of us, when we see people in a city that are lost and far from God, we should say, I know I'm tired. I know I'm weary, but I can't help myself. I know I've been giving and I know I've been serving, but you know what? I can't stop because there's people in front of us that need that hope. Amen. Come on, you received that. That, that. I mean, if there's anything that I want this church to reflect, it's that we're not here for ourselves, and we're not here about ourselves, but we're here for others. And here's, here's the thing. I get it. I get it. Sometimes I, I think we, in, in that moment, we, we kind of think, you know, and that's great and all, but um, I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of I'm comfortable right here. I, mean, I kind of like this location. It's not that bad of a drive. I know it's kind of cramped, and I know we don't have any foyer space, and I know the kids don't have any space, and you know, but, but, but can I tell you something? That that's not how we should respond when we see need in front of us. It's not about us. And here's the thing I want to be more like Jesus that I am moved to action when I see people who are hurting. Can I tell you that the ones who understand and once you realized that you were once that person who was lost without him how many of you were once lost without Jesus? Come on, am I speaking to the right people today? How many of you once recognized, how many of you know there was somebody that did something for you? There's somebody that cared enough about you to invite you. There's somebody that cared enough about you to reach out to you, to tell you something, to share the hope they had. Listen, I, I just think that once you're that person where you've received God's grace that you didn't deserve, when you realize that I'm here because of his mercy and I had nothing to do with it and I've got hope today and I've got a future tomorrow and if it hadn't been for Jesus, I don't know where I'd be today. But once you realize and you experience that, you can't help but... We got to do something. We got to do something. That's the way I feel. We got to do something. And so here they are, and Jesus begins to minister to them, and he's all day, and he's preaching, and he's teaching. And it said that in verse 35, that 
by this time it was late in the day. Jesus had been preaching all day. He should take a cue from me. See, he, he preached this entire series in one message. I'm, too, I'm, I'm a little nicer than Jesus was. If he were here, he wouldn't let you go home today. But Jesus, he just kept going on and on. He's preaching. And so his disciples came to him and they said, hey, um, this is a remote place. You know, we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. They said, and it's already very late. How about we send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat? Look at Jesus' response. I want you to feel this. He looked at him, verse 37, and he answered them how. Everybody say it out loud with me. He said, you give them something to eat. Hmm? What? What do you mean? He said, you, you do it. And they said to him, but that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? That would, do you have any idea how much that would cost? Do you know that there were about 5,000 men plus women and children? Some estimate between 10 to 15,000 people in this countryside. At first, I always thought that his disciples were super thoughtful. You know, they just... They're really caring. It's like been all day. I think people are hungry. We should, we should end. Some of you, you know, just that's, that's what you feel about church. We should end a little bit sooner so we can go get food. Listen, listen, I know at first it sounds like they're really thoughtful. And then the more you read it, I kind of realize I don't think they're that thoughtful thinking about how hungry they are. I think they were hungry. And they were like, Jesus, can we shut this thing down? Like, man, I am starving over here. But, you know, they're all complaining about being hungry. And right as they say that, Jesus looks at him. I like to picture this mentally. He's in the middle of preaching, and they're kind of, they're talking to him, so he's covering the mic. What do you, what do you say? God, you know, hey, we should send him that. And he just looks at them. I want you to feel the weight of this. And he says, you give them something to eat. It, it was interesting to me because they, they wanted all of the people to be someone else's problem. Jesus looked at him and said, no, they're your opportunity. I think sometimes we feel that way about the lost community around us. I just, I, I want it to be somebody else's problem. I wish some other church would take a step of faith and build something. I wish somebody else would be asked to give and to serve more. I wish some other church and some other people that they would go and do this. And I feel the weight of this as Jesus looks at us today, right now at X Church, and he says, no, you feed them. No, you reach them. No, you go and do something for them. Come on, you hear what I'm saying today? This is not somebody else's problem. This is what we've been called to do. I've been called to do this. Can I say you've been called to do this too? If you follow Jesus, we don't come in and ask Jesus and say, can you give me a little bit more of you? That's not Christianity. It's not, can I add Jesus to my life so he can make my life a little more comfortable? That's, that is not in the Bible. Do you want to know Christianity? It's when you surrender your life to him and say, whatever you want, whatever you need, you can have all of me. I'm going to challenge because some of you are just like, well, I kind of like church. No, no, this, we're not talking about church. I'm talking about following Jesus. And I need you to understand this. I need you to understand me. And oh, by the way, 
if you're new, you cannot ask for a better message. And you don't, it's like, oh, but they're going to talk about money. And uh, listen, you should know right now my heart for this church. Because God's called me to lead this church. And you ought to know the kind of pastor that's going to preach to you. So we ought to just go ahead and get it out right up front, okay? Because listen, I didn't go into ministry because I was looking for a career. Nobody goes into ministry looking for a career. I went into ministry because God called me into ministry. And oh, by the way, you need to know something about your pastor. I told God in 2007, I will risk it all for the cause of Jesus. I will take as big a step as you call me to take. And I am not afraid to do it. So if you're looking for a safe pastor, a safe church where you don't get asked to do anything, but I just want to come and I want to receive, I'm going to tell you right now, you might have stumbled into the wrong church. You're not going to like this church very much because we're going to be the ones that are going to charge hell with water pistols. It doesn't matter what it takes, what it costs me, because I am going to set myself on fire for Jesus and we can ask the world to come watch us burn. I, I just, I can't, I just can't maintain. I need you to hear me. I know we, we can fit now. But God didn't call me to come and lead in a space where we can all fit now. God is, he's, it's in my heart. And so I just say this now, and I'm going to say it lovingly and respectingly to you. But like, if you just like, wow, I wasn't looking for all that. We just wanted some place so they could teach our kids about spiritual things because we don't know anything. And they're asking questions about death, and I don't even know what to tell them. And I just want to let you know, this may not be the church for you. And I don't want anybody to leave. But I just need you to know my heart right now because otherwise you're going to probably end up leaving anyways. God has called us to, and I know you feel like, why is the weight on us? Can I just say something for every one of you who know Jesus? It's on us, but it was also on someone else. And the reason why it sits on us is because somebody else did it for you. Somebody else did it for you once. In fact, I just want to ask a simple question in both locations, and I want every person to participate. I want to ask this question, and then I want to ask you to respond by raising your hand in just a minute. But if you encountered Jesus through this church, that it has affected and changed your life or a family member's life that has never been the same, or maybe you walked away from God at one point, but there was something in this place, this ministry, that brought you back to Jesus, and it has changed your life, I want to ask at both locations, would you put your hand up and hold it up high right now? Can you just look around for a minute? Can I, can I say something to every single one of you? This in this church, can I say this? Somebody else carried the weight and built the bridge for you to get to that. There was a small group of us, probably 60 adults at the time, 70, that bought this little place in Lithopolis, and we risked it all. By the way, guess how much the original asking price, what we had to pay for this, it was 9,000 acres, or 9,000 square feet, and the 21 acres. There's only a few people who were still around then. Uh, $750,000. That's how much it cost. We didn't know how in the world it was going to happen or how we were going to pay for it. But we knew God had called us to. This is what faith is. I need you to understand faith. Because if you try to approach what God asks us to do or asks you to do, in the natural, it won't make sense. That's why trusting God with a tithe doesn't make sense. Because that means less and how will I have enough? But God says now, 
Now you can experience the miraculous. That's where we are. And somebody else did it for you. Someone else built the bridge. And, and here's the thinking that a lot of times we have sitting in churches. It's just like the disciples. They said to Jesus, but it would take more than half a year's wages. What's interesting about this one telling of this account, by the way, this is the only miracle Jesus performed that's in all four of his biographies, was they don't even allude to the fact they may not have it. They just said, are we supposed to spend that much? Take more than half a year's wages. And I know that sometimes people come, and, and when you hear about building a building, which, by the way, is costing millions of dollars, it costs millions of dollars to build a facility that is going to be able to reach thousands of people. It is such a big step of faith for us, okay? That some people would say, why would a church spend that kind of money to take the gospel to hungry people? Why would a church? It's not for us. We're not building it for us. We're building it so that we can reach thousands of people for Christ. Why would a church spend that much money? Why, what could we do with that? We, listen to me. I need you to understand this, okay? We don't let money dictate our mission. Jesus gave us the mission. He said, if you go, I'll build it. If you do it, I'll pay for it. Jesus is going to bring the provision one way or another. I trust and I'm confident of that. But you need to hear this and you need to understand this, okay? Why would we do all that? Because there are people in front of us. And I just had somebody that came to me this last Thursday. This new that just started coming to our church. And he looked at me after he heard this and he said, Can I tell you something, Pastor? I'm from the area of Canal Winchester. These people need this badly. People need this message. People need some kind of hope in their life. And I'm telling you, God has given us a position, a place in the city that is so visible where you can't drive by it and not say, what is that place? And I believe the Spirit of God is going to draw people to it and He is going to change their lives. And you say, why would we spend all that kind of money doing it? Because money is not my master. Money does not dictate my mission. Because I've got a Savior and I can put anything I have in His hands and He can multiply it. He's a creator. He's a multiplying Messiah. I trust in him I just trust in him that's what I trust I, I do I trust in him he's our provider and oh by the way he's gonna bring provision through our church and he can bring provision from outside our church by the way in order for God to bring provision to his church he has to bring it oftentimes through his church so when I speak about that, that means God's going to release it through you. I, I know most of us want the blessing, but then we often want to hold it up. God says, no, this is what it looks like to release it. In fact, I love this story uh, in the Bible. You can read it on your own. I'm out of time. But Ezra chapter 1. And Ezra chapter 1 is an incredible story about a man named Cyrus. He was a king, the Persian um, Empire. And God literally raised this guy who was a pagan, godless man God raised him up and put within his heart a desire to pay for rebuilding the temple. Can I tell you, God can bring provision from anywhere he wants. He's the creator. He made all of this. And so I'm not going to let money dictate us. I'm not going to let a mortgage scare me away from seeing the miraculous. I'm not going to let that happen. We're not going to be foolish. But can I tell you this? And I need you to understand this because some people are going to look at me cross-eyed and go, what do you mean? You, don't, you mean we don't have everything? You're not really sure? No. That's why it's called faith. Can I please help you understand this? 
if you have everything already, it doesn't require faith. If Abraham knew where he was going, it wouldn't have been a big deal for God to say, pick up your family and go to the land I will show you. But he had no idea what it was going to look like on the other side. That's what God calls us to. And I often say that the line between faith and stupidity is really blurry. Noah, build a big boat. It's never rained, God. Just build the boat. The line between faith and stupidity, oh, it's, it's blurry. Okay? And we're not trying to be stupid. We sought counsel. I asked pastors of other churches, larger churches, should we do this? Is this crazy? I asked our board members. They were all in one accord. The, the, the company helping us. We say you need to go. We understand the expense of this. We want to help you. We believe in what God has put in your heart for that area. And we're behind you. We want to go. And so you know what we did? We said, all right, God, this looks crazy. It almost looks stupid. But I'm going to take a big old step of faith. That's what we did. And God can bring provision from anywhere, but can I tell you this? What God really wants to do, I believe, is bring provision through us. Mark 6, 38. Let me read how this story ends, and I know most of you know, and then I'm going to close. It says, how many loaves do you have, Jesus asked them. And they said, he said, go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. It says this, that they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish and the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. This question that Jesus asks is a question that I believe that he wants us to consider today. Here's all he asked. He said, what do you have? What do you have? I don't have much. He said, what do you have? All we've got is five loaves and two fish. We've got a few. We, don't have, we don't have a whole lot. We, we live in perhaps the most blessed nation in the world. And I bet the answer that most of us do say to God is, I don't have that much. We don't have that much, even though we've been blessed. And I get that, because I feel that way. Can I ask you, does it ever feel like maybe you don't have a whole lot to offer God? I feel that way sometimes. Like, does it ever feel like, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about, I don't have that many gifts. And, man, you see her sing and him let and lead. And I wish I, I can't do that. If I could, I would do that. Well, I don't, I don't know that much about the Bible. I would teach kids, but I don't, I don't know that much myself. I don't have that much time. I don't have that much energy. I'm, I don't have a lot of resource. I don't have, I, I think this is the excuse we give to God all the time. I don't have a lot to offer, you know? Can, can I just tell you something? That when you give to God what you do have, it's not about what you don't have. When you give to God what you do have, He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think. That's the promise. I don't know what God can do with this, but if you will take what little that God has, you see, here's my faith. My faith is not in our church right now. 
My faith is in a God who is able to do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine. That's a lot because I can ask for a lot. I can ask God to do a lot in our church. But when I hold on to that truth inside of me, all of a sudden something begins to rise up in me. I know that God is able. How many of you believe that God is able? That God can save the lost. That God can change this city. That God can resurrect your marriage. That God can heal your body. That God is able. I believe that with everything inside of me. I'm not looking to you. I'm not looking to me to make all this happen. You know what I'm, I'm looking and here's what God's looking Here's what God's looking for. He's just looking for some people, listen, who are available. He's able. He says, I just need some people who are available. My question to us as we begin this series is, would you just make yourself available? That's it. Come on, would you all stand to your feet today as we close? I'm, I'm just asking this one question. I'm not asking you to do anything. Don't give anything to that. Listen, this is between you and God. What I'm asking as we go through this, this season, what does it look like just to simply say, God, I'm available. Whatever you want to do, whatever you don't want to do, however you want to you use me to serve, I'll serve. We're going to need it. Go to this new building. You want to use me to give? God, okay, what does that look like? I need you to provide for it. What does it look like to say, God, I'm just available. And here's what I know. The only time when God isn't able is when we don't put it in his hands. The disciples said, this is all I got. Put it in his hands. Now the Messiah can work. And he can multiply it over and over. And I'm believing that for our church in this season. Amen, church? Come on, bow your heads. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for your grace. And I thank you, Lord, that today that you would allow this message through the power of your spirit, God, to land in people's hearts. God, I pray that right now as we begin this journey together, Lord, I pray that there's no fear that would overtake us. But I pray in this moment, God, faith would rise up inside of us. That, God, we know you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is work in us. And so, God, would you just show us, each and every one of us, on this journey, God, what does it mean for me to be available? So that, God, you could use it to do your glory and your good in the community around. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And everybody said, amen. Come on, would you give them praise one more time?